0: Hey, listeners, welcome back to the Wednesday Breakfast Show. As mentioned before, the sequence of our show that we will be going through is the weather that we will go through first now, which looks a bit gloomy outside if you look outside the window from wherever you are. Um, this morning, it's expected to be dry with hazy sunshine. And in the afternoon, cloud will become thicker, but it should remain largely dry moderate uh, southerly winds so it should remain largely dry so other people that want to go out and do different kind of activities it will be possible as you all know when the rain comes it's not uh, really wise for us to be outside and um, it makes our day a bit difficult to be honest but tonight it will start uh, partly cloudy with the chance of a few spots of rain during the early hours uh, and it will turn dry with clearing skies fresh south westerly winds but tomorrow morning um, as today it will continue to be dry with extensive sunshine in the afternoon clouds will increase from the west but it should remain largely dry with the chance of the odd light shower and from Friday to Sunday um, It is expected to become dry and bright with plenty of sunshine throughout as a transient area of high pressure develops. Uh, And on Saturday, it looks to become increasingly cloudy from the southwest, leaving the risk of a few patches of rain. Uh, On Sunday, once any early cloud and the odd spot of rain clear, it should be dry day with extensive sunshine. So as you've observed, it does look like the week will be dry and we will be able to move on swiftly throughout this week with anything that we are going to do. And as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we do have an auxiliary organisation, which is a youth association, which will be holding a, a istima and national gathering for the youth in which um, a, lot, a lot of the youth around the whole world gather uh, and we try to increase in spirituality and brotherhood. There's also all sorts of competitions which are taking place at that event. There is sports events, there's academic events. <clears throat> so I am sure that a lot of the youth around the Ahmadiyya Muslim community would be looking forward to this event and will be interested in the weather also that week, weekend, which is the Friday and Saturday and Sunday coming. Um, so, yeah, the weather does look dry. So hopefully that event will take place and it will be a, um important event, which will be fine. And as we move along, um, we will be covering the news. There's a lot of news that have been about regarding... The death in northern Iraq of around 100 people killed in a wedding fire. Uh, At least 100 people have died and 150 others injured after a fire broke out at a wedding in northern Iraq, state media has reported. It is not yet clear what caused the blaze, but early reports say it broke out after fireworks were lit. Photos on social media show charred-out remains of the event hall in al Hamdania in Iraq's Nineveh province. Uh, the newly married couple are among the victims, according to the deputy head of the Ninva Health, and flammable panels in the venue may have fueled the flames, officials have said. So it was really a moment of joy which turned quite horrific our prayers and thoughts are with the victims at this uh, wedding Um, so the guests died of burns and the lack of oxygen that's what the health ministry have claimed Um, they have said that burns or lack of oxygen led to the deaths of more than 100 people at the wedding hall Al-Badr says the fire also caused crowd crushes So it's understood when there is a fire taking place, everyone wants to rush and try to get out of the way. And because of that, the crowd crushes have led to the deaths, which has led to around 113 people, which so far have been counted dead. Um, Yes, once again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family members that have been affected. May Allah strengthen them and they're able to bear this sad moment in their lives. Other news around the world which I'm sure everybody is uh, aware of or some uh, most of us will be going through are the bills crisis. Um, a lot a lot of people have been saying that they've been paying for basic needs on a credit card. Working people say they are using credit cards to top up energy meters due to the pressure of high bills. this one person called Chidi owake who works full-time in hospital, said he was forced into the move so he could afford to buy food and described the prospect of winter as a nightmare. So we can see that basic needs as food is now becoming hard in this country to afford and... Charity Citizens Advice said that it had already provided record levels of crisis support this year. So, even though crisis support has been given out, people are still struggling to um, make their basic needs. The government said it's focused on helping those who are struggling. Um, Mr. Wakwe, whose wife also works, said the cost of food for his family was the biggest pressure and meant changing how he managed his money. He said that every day I have to look at the energy meter, the Londoner added, I have to use a credit card, but I never used a credit card before to top up my gas and electric. So we can see what state everyone is in and what financial crisis that this country is going through. In other news, um, school absence has become an issue. Uh, The school picking kids up from home to boost attendance. That's what the headline has read. It is said that the number of children missing school in England is a crisis that needs to be tackled with bigger, bolder national measures. Um, They they have claimed that twice as many pupils have been missing a significant amount of school as before the pandemic. So... (coughs) Before the pandemic, there weren't a lot of pupils that were missing. And due to the pandemic, the schools weren't open anyway. And now twice as many have been missing. And it's not due to the COVID or any health issue. It's due to the mental health problems and the cost of living pressures on families and also other complex reasons. Parents and schools in Folkestone, which is in Kent, where absence is higher than national average, tells the BBC News why they are struggling. So the one person which was interviewed, her name was uh, Kelsey, who has two children. Uh, they were evicted from their home last autumn. The family were rehoused in a flat two bus, and which is a flat um, and two bus rides and at least 40 minutes from their primary school. And as Kelsey tried to stabilise their life, her mental health deteriorated. That's what she has claimed. And she says that it was hard mentally draining and physically draining like you do not want to get out of bed. So she was mentally drained and of course the cost of living has have had affected her and her being evicted from the home. And we can see that if someone goes through um, such an event where they have been evicted and then her, because her whole life was settled in that area. Um, her Her children were going to school there. She was familiar with the neighborhood and when someone gets evicted and then They have to be rehoused in a flat which is uh, basically 40 minutes away from their school. It does have a mental effect on the individual and um, it uh, will definitely affect them raising their children in a different way. It would definitely uh, impact their livelihood and that is one of the reasons why they've been missing schools because Kelsley claims that She had uh, depression and she was sometimes unable to get the children to school. So that's one of the issues which has been um, uh, raised in England today. Uh, The Education Select Committee um, report says the kind of intensive support Kelsley has received should be more widespread. Because obviously after she went through that event, she did reach out and she asked for help and the turner schools trust then found places for the children at a school nearer to the new home and this term so now her kids have been going to school every day so i'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are going through this uh, such event and if they need any kind of support they can always turn to Um, different trusts around the country. In uh, other news and other headlines throughout the country, we can see that one quarter, so the headline reads, uh, one quarter, um, almost 30,000 refugees have fled to Armenia. It says that nearly 30,000 ethnic Armenians have fled Nagorno-Karabakh, a quarter of the population, which is a quarter of the population, which is a massive amount of the enclave which Azerbaijan seized last week. Hundreds of cars are backed up on the one road leading to Armenia, the destination of those leaving. Azerbaijan says residents will be safe, but Armenian's prime minister says ethnic cleansing has started recognized as part of Azerbaijan, had been run by ethnic Armenians for three decades. At least 200 ethnic Armenians and dozens of Azerbaijani soldiers were killed as Azerbaijan's army swept in. As part of a ceasefire deal, separatists have agreed to surrender their weapons. And on Monday, a massive fuel blast killed at least 68 people attempting to leave. So we see around the world, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of Tragic events which are happening, and we can only pray that the, that God stabilizes the world that we are in today. There's a lot of events that are um, taking place throughout the Middle East. We can see that um, there was a recent earthquake in Morocco which killed hundreds of thousands of people, and then there were there was a flood in Libya, which uh, I believe more than ten thousand people were found dead. So. We just pray and our thoughts go out to all the victims around the world and then may, get, may God um, grant them patience to all the families that are out there suffering in this way. Um, another headline reads, A Trump liable for fraud, judge finds in New York civil case. Donald Trump repeatedly misrepresented his health by hundreds of millions of dollars to banks and insurers. A New York judge has ruled. The decision uh, resolves the key claim made by New York's Attorney General in her civil lawsuit against the former president. The documents documents here clearly contain fraudulent valuations that defendants used in business, the judge wrote. That's what he wrote. It is a major blow for Mr. Trump before the case goes to trial next Monday. So that is what's happening over in America. There are a lot of um, other headlines around the world. One which um, has come out is the I says private schools are set to go to battle with Labour over the party's plans to charge twenty percent VAT on school fees if it wins the next. Election. So we can see the current crisis, the financial crisis that everyone is going through. And now private schools are set to go to battle with Labour because they have plans that they will be charging extra 20% on VAT on school fees if it wins the next election. I'm not sure how many people agree with that, but I am pretty sure if Labour has this. Uh, party planned. If their party has this plan, then I'm pretty sure some of their votes will be lost. Many private schools have charitable status and so are currently exempted from various taxes. The paper says some have threatened to withdraw from schemes under which they support state schools if the plan goes ahead. So this is one of the major headlines that we can see today which could impact a lot of the parents, the providers for the family that are sending their kids to private school. Uh, The Daily Mail also has a similar story on its headlines, which is Labour's class war begins on day one. Um, The paper quotes Education Secretary Gillian Keegan calling the plan ill thought through. And says fares have been raised that it could mean the state sector would have to accommodate an extra 40,000 pupils whose parents would be priced out of the private sector. Uh, and as we can see, the state schools are overly crowded already. And if this plan goes ahead from the Labour Party, then 40,000 more pupils would have to be catered for, which could put a burden on the state schools. Uh, other headlines and the Metro Sweller, it's too easy to be a refugee. That's what she claims, which is a quite a harsh claim. The Metro leads with a um, speech which was made by the Home Secretary and which is delivered uh, on a visit on the U.S., to the U.S., in which the uh, former U.N. rules governing the def- definition and treatment of refugees The paper says Miss Braverman argued the threshold for claiming refugee status had fallen too low and that it had become too easy to claim asylum. Similar with the Times, um, it has a quote from Braverman which says, Immigration is threat to the West. Um, And she has said that Ms. Baravan also uh, argued that a failure to integrate migrants and a misguided dogma of multiculturalism had proved a toxic combination in Europe and that current levels of immigration pose an existential threat to the West, according to the Times. The paper quotes her as saying that Europe had reached a critical juncture and that a failure to tackle illegal immigrants would create the conditions for more extreme politics so a lot of the papers are condemning what she has said similar to the daily mirror she, the daily mirror states nasty new low in migrant speech as she attempts to distract from her own failures and then it, it, in bold writing it's writ, it is written poisonous um, in, da- in the Daily Express, the headlines are Off the Rails Shameful Salaries of HS2 Fat Cats. Three bosses on the HS2 rail project have been given salaries worth a combined total of 1.3 million, while more than 40 others picked up at least 150,000 each, according to the Daily Express. It comes amid questions about the future. Of parts of the project because of spiraling costs, the paper calls the salaries shameful. With The Guardian, we can see that uh, the headlines are Feminist Approach to Cancer Could Save 800,000 Women's Lives a Year. It leads with a study published. Uh, in the blanket and drawing on evidence from eight hundred and eighty five countries that says a feminist approach to cancer treatment could save the lives of eight hundred thousand women globally every year that 's what the paper says, and the study found that the gender uh, inequality and discrimination are reducing women 's opportunities to avoid cancer risks and impending their ability to get a timely diagnosis and quality care so these were the headlines. Of today's papers, and I'm sure our viewers, our listeners, uh, I should say, um, can dwell more into detail in these headlines. And in the sports um, section for this week, we can see we can see that um, the cha- the Champions League uh took place and uh also um, um I'm sure a lot of the supporters of uh Arsenal were happy <laughs> last week um I'm sure we do have our uh, presenter Shajil present with us now um I'm sure he can it's speak a bit about yeah, the team it, Arsenal in particular it's, it, it
1: was um I think it was a quite quite a spectacular spectacular game um to you know to say the least as well cuz after a long time after a long time they, they after actually, 7
0: years i believe more than 7 years in the champions yeah, league yeah they came back into the champions league which was
1: actually um a a, a big achievement for for them yeah. and then when uh, it, you know the first match that they played yeah. um i think they did really well as well
0: yeah to win 4-0 in to the first game to win 4 nil
1: in the first game in the champions league is uh, you know is quite it's quite something yeah it's, Had it's a clean sheet Exactly. And exactly. uh you know
0: with with a fairly young team. One fairly of the, young team, yeah, yeah, one yeah, of the fairly, youngest young, fairly young team as
1: well, yeah, definitely. And I th- I think it was I think it was a good sort of I think it was a positive step. Yeah. Um you know, coming back into the Champions League as well because previously, um in previous years, you know, um the listeners would know that <laughs> um or those who are familiar with football that Arsenal was literally not in, n- was not even competing for the. Champions yeah. for, for, for the there was a, there was the a Champions point a
0: couple of years where we weren't even in Europe, so. We weren't even in, in Europe, Europe. Yeah. yeah so not, not even not, Champions not League. Not the Europa League. Not, not the, the Europa League. League yeah. was nothing. Yeah, literally. So yeah. it's a big step, um, and I'm sure, and other teams also did well. Other teams like, as, well as well, like Real Madrid and. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, coming uh, clutching, clutching, the cl- clutching the win at the end. On the exactly. 90th minute,
1: yeah, or 92nd, like whatever it was. I mean, it was quite
0: good For, as well. And from a very young player as well. Yeah, that's, so, true. Was Jude, that's true. Jude was Bellingham. Jude Bellingham, yeah. He's had a very good start. Very good start, yeah. To the very good start to the season. He's, he, I think he's. He's 19 or 20,
1: I believe. I, I, think, he, I think he is 19. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think he is. Yeah. He's under 20, definitely.
0: Yeah. To be at that level at 19 year old, that's quite something to say because. To play for Real Madrid, first of all, at 19-year-old, it's Mm. it's a big step. And then to have a season... On the the first team. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. To be on the first team. And then in the first six games, I believe, he scored six goals. Or six Uh, goals and assists. Something like that. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. So that's a very, very good start of his career. It's a good start. And Birmingham City, he he originally came from Birmingham City. And they retired his shirt, his 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 number. And (laughs) the thing is, everyone was laughing at Birmingham City for doing that to a 16 year old yeah. but now we see that Birmingham actually realised how good he actually was and now hmm. he's gone from Birmingham to, Dortno- to, Dortmund. to Dortmund, Dortmund to Real yeah. Madrid and even in the England team he's yeah. he's been doing really well yeah that's true I think
1: he gave uh, in the last uh, match that they played the, the, the England match Yeah. who he was against I Against Scotland the, I believe Against Scotland yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he gave
0: an assist Yeah yeah, yeah. He had a really good m- maybe, maybe two
1: assists I think actually
0: I'm not too sure but he had a really high rating in the high rating, charts yeah. yeah So it is
1: uh, it is quite interesting stuff as well because uh, next week as well um, Champions League isn't going to yeah. come back uh, you know um, the second match day the second match day <laughs> of course but um, in the, champion, in the in just talking about just talking about um, in Europe, yeah. right, oh, there's only one player who's won the Ballon d'Or, and that's Modric. In oh. Europe, there's only one player. I mean, Messi, Ronaldo, oh yeah, they also, Benzema. They've they've all gone.
0: No, in Europe, as you as in you mean currently, Europe, who's in, in, in Champions League playing, playing in oh, Europe? Okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. So it's uh, that's true. It's, it's the gen it's that generation is just fading away now. The gen-
1: generation is fading away, definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um. But obviously,
1: where one generation goes and the next generation you comes, can't. and there are some new upcoming stars as well. There are some the upcoming stars, up, but do you, but do you think it will? I don't think it will, <laughs> it will match them. But, <laughs> match the... But for a long time now.
0: Yeah. For a long for, time. For a long t- <laughs> could time. Be, a, could, be a <laughs> could be. Could be a generation. Could be. Could be. Because what we saw was generational talent, right? Yeah. In uh, In uh, Messi and Ronaldo. Exactly. So hopefully we do have these youngsters come in who can match their level because it will just make uh, the football exciting again. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be good for the fans.
1: I mean, it, it is something which uh, everyone looks forward to anyway. Exactly. So I'm sure, I'm sure that people would uh, would enjoy. Hmm. Um, and especially, you know, I think
0: the climate, the crisis that everyone's going through um, nowadays, they do enjoy a bit of football on the weekend. Hmm. So it's something to look forward to, isn't it? It is something to look
1: yeah. forward to. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, um, just uh, talking about just talking about you know the sports uh, as in uh, as in general. It's uh, next next year. Next year would be twenty twenty four, isn't it? And that would be the yeah. Euros. Yes, uh, again, yes, isn't a, it? Yep, yep. So yeah, teams will be getting uh, getting ready for for you know, obviously European countries will be getting ready for that, mm-hmm. and uh, it it will be quite interesting stuff as well. Um, it's the, a big competition. It'll be, be a big
0: competition, absolutely. After the World Cup. This happens every four years and the World Cup also happens every four years. So yeah. it's something to look forward to, especially for the national. An- another,
1: um, another World Cup would be happening as well, which is the, cri- the Cricket World Cup. Oh, yes. That's going to be happening oh. in a few... I, I think, think it's in next a, month. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's in
0: a few weeks. Yeah, literally <laughs> next month. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So a lot of our uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community... A lot of the people from Pakistan will be supporting England also as <laughs> Pakistan is <laughs> well. And it's hard to decide when England plays Pakistan, isn't it? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to cricket, then, you know, <laughs> people's Sens- sentiments are yeah, so... sensitive topic uh, yeah, for everyone. sensitive topic for, for, for everyone, <laughs> for everyone. But yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting uh, as well. And uh, hopefully, you know, those uh, fans of, you know, cricket and football and sports as well, they'll be... Uh, interested uh, to you know, to yeah. you know, we're we'll looking forward to that to, be, to that as well. So you know, um, we're going to be taking a short break right after the uh, the short break. We're going to come into our our segments, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. It is going to be quite interesting because the topics are quite interesting as well. But uh, we'll be back after a short break. Allah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa, rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As before, we we, we, we told you that the first topic is going to be I mean both topics are quite quite interesting as well, but quite sensitive as well at the at the same time. Firstly, we're talking about Down syndrome's awareness month and how um you know next month, which is October. Is uh, Down Syndrome's Awareness Month as well. So as we're approaching the end of this month, and the beginning, of, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole of uh, next month, which is October, um, it's sort of dedicated to 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 raise more awareness in regards to this um, this disability, which is Down Syndrome, and these sort of events um, celebrate each unique and individual person with Down Syndromes. And uh, aims to raise more awareness by tackling stereotypes and also debunking uh, deb- or debunking myths surrounding the condition as well. Um, that's why you know it's uh, it's important that we yeah. sort of learn about it, that we know about it. Yeah. And um, if somebody has it around you, a family member, a friend, or even you know a colleague, maybe, how should we sort of um, mm-hmm. react? Uh, with them as well Because obviously It is quite a sensitive topic yeah. as well I think it's it's important yeah. To
0: understand that um, You know Especially for parents mm. If they do have a child Or yeah. a family member Who's going through um, This challenge And mm. they have a child With this challenge I think it's It's important to <clears throat> Understand that It's a test in a way For the parents as well Yeah To earn Paradise at the end of the day if they look after that child, if they look after that um, family member mm. with a pure heart, they—it's basically God has given them a chance, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. earn paradise in a in an easy way, if they if they can, at the end of the day, look after this child because he is challenged. And yeah, I think everyone, all the family members, should take it as a positive. Yeah, because God's given them a chance.
1: It's true. I mean, sometimes we sometimes we look at a disability. Sometimes exactly. we look at. Uh, an illness sometimes we look at something which is um, you know we, we, which is quite difficult to, mm. to handle and then we think that oh why why, why are we I, going yeah. through this why do you have to go through this trial or mm. why this why that but the thing is is that these trials and these tribulations it may be difficult and de- most definitely yes. it is difficult to deal with them as well so at the end of the day God has said that in this world he will test he will test he exactly. will test you and yeah exactly so if, you know, specifically talking from a believer's point of view, right? Mm. All of these things are a challenge. All these things are a trial. Because the whole world, mm. in this whole world that you know that we're living in this mm. life mm. is not eternal. And this is the trial as well. Yeah. And, all, you know, as a believer, we believe in, in the next life. We mm. believe in the life which is yet to come. And all the things that we have done in this world that would reflect how our next world which is the eternal life how that would be as well so just like you said I think that's a very good example that if we if we look at these things these disabilities these trials these tribulations these illnesses diseases whatever um, if we go through them if we endure them if we take them head on Hmm. and uh, we try our best
0: to you know to work around them Hmm. and um, and have an attitude of uh, gratefulness Attitude of I gratefulness, mean, exactly. Look around you yeah. and see what God has given you, mm. instead of looking at what you don't have. Yeah, is the attitude you should always
1: have. Is the attitude you should always have as well. I mean, there's a saying of the Holy <coughs> Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, yeah. that you know the 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 upper hand is better mm. than the lower hand, yeah. uh, meaning that the the person who who gives is better than the person who, who, receives. who receives.
0: Always begs mm. for for things as well, and um, and and that always um, look at those that are below you hmm. rather yeah. than those that are above you, right? Yeah. When it comes to
1: worldly things, <laughs> when it comes to worldly things, yeah. you should always look at those people who are, who who have less than you yeah. so that you can become grateful. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you think that, you know, you don't have the latest smartphone or yeah. you don't have the latest car mm. or you don't have that nice clothes, yeah. you know, look at those people who don't literally, don't have even have internet th- or have any phone.
0: Yeah, there's this saying that, um um I, I don't know, it's one of the f- famous footballers that, I believe it's him that said that um, I was sad that I did not have any football shoes to play with, mm. but then when I saw someone that does not even have a uh, feet feet to yeah, play, yeah, then I became grateful, mm. and yeah. I said to myself that why why, why am I complaining? Yeah, why am I complaining? It's, just a, it's just a good Don't example you. and a way we should all look at life. Yeah, I mean, if in we, every part, if we look,
1: if we have this sort of perspective, then. We can actually think about that, then we can be grateful, exactly. And then we can think about Mm. giving others instead of always trying to gain ourselves. And you know, like I said, if you know, in terms (coughs) of worldly worldly things, Mm. um, always look at those people who are who are beneath you in Mm. terms of you know, they don't have resources like you, they don't have the same clothes as you, they don't have you know, the same living structure as you. But when it comes to spiritual yeah. sense then then look at those people who are but, above you as well and try to aim, towards, try to aim them, towards them
0: like, why can't I be like that yeah, why can't true. I wake up for Tajj? why can't I um, do my prayers on time Yeah, that's the attitude that we need to live by that's what the Holy Prophet has taught us hmm.
1: absolutely and one thing which is very important as well is to is to you know is to look out for others as well Yeah. if we see someone who is in distress if we see someone who needs our help mm. um, whether they're asking for help or not we
0: should be ready
1: yeah. to, to, especially do help as
0: them. Muslims, it's our duty, especially to go out our own way to help someone that's in need. Mm. And if you have someone or you see someone that is in need, yeah. and you still don't help them, mm. you can't consider yourself to be a good person. Yeah,
1: I mean, ha- wh- wh- while, you yeah. Cable, while you have the capability while you have the capability to, capability to, help, to help, help him, them.
0: and you're seeing them struggling with something, yeah. and you still mind your own way, mm-hmm. that's. I mean
1: it, it is something that, you know, that's you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings <coughs> of Allah be upon him, has also said that, you know, if you know, if you see something bad, yeah. right, um, physically try to yeah. stop that bad thing as exactly. well from from happening. If you can't do it physically, then at least say something. Say something at yeah. least, you know, with your words, yeah. Try to, you know, tell him to stop yeah. or tell whatever, guide that person. Mm. Even if you can't do that then at least you think in your mind that oh. that's about it. But that's the uh, lowest. Uh, yeah. He said this is the lowest yeah. faith. Or all, 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 at least pray for it. At least pray for it. Yeah. yeah. If you can't do anything, uh, yeah. That's the minimum yeah. thing that you can actually do. So th- there are so many things which, uh, you know, th- the way that we live our life has been explained to us by the Holy Prophet. Yeah. Peace and blessings of Allah. It's upon him. a role model, isn't it? Absolutely. Now with this uh, brief uh, introduction as well, uh, we'll give a little bit of um, some information in regards to what down syndrome yeah. actually actually is so, <coughs> you know, our listeners would you know would be aware of this anyway. But just to give a little bit more information, Down syndromes, or just a reminder, is a is a genetic condition caused by caused by having <coughs> um, a, an extra chromosome, and this occurs by chance at uh, conception. So it's it's something which you don't always have you know you don't have control over. Yeah. And, and I'm uh, sure those people yeah.
0: that have children, they go through this test, right? Um, before the child is born, there's this there's this um, test they do yeah. in which they they, which they ch- can determine yeah. that if your child will have some challenges or have some genetic condition. Hmm. Um, and this is one of them. This is one of them, yeah. That they can detect. So it, it can occur. I mean,
1: it occurs by chance yeah. at uh, conception. Yeah. and um it's uh, not usually hereditary yeah. now around 40,000 people uh here in the UK have down syndrome and each person's condition varies as well so yeah. it's not sort of a there's set different pattern. stages there's different it, yeah. stages to yeah. it as well i mean uh, one could be severe one could be mild one could yeah. be not as much as well so typically people with down syndrome <coughs> will actually um will have some level of of learning disability and many will lead independent and full lives. However, um, well, some may require some extra help um, and some extra care uh, throughout their lives as well. So like I said, so some people may be more difficult than others. Um, People could have learning disabilities. There are other conditions as well, other conditions as well that can have a variety of different health problems and that can affect you know, a lot of different things, such as the heart, it can affect um, their, their their sight mm-hmm. and how they hear, their hearing. <coughs> so their senses are sort of... Um, sensitive, know, yeah. Sensitive as well. Yeah. Sometimes they can have difficulty in seeing in hearing and all of these things as well. Now, the average life expectancy for a person with Down syndrome is actually 58 hmm. years.
0: So they do live a fairly... Good amount, good amount, but yes. not, obviously not
1: as much as yeah, without, percent, yeah. yeah without yeah, without Down syndromes as well. So it, it is. I mean, it definitely is a disability. Yeah. Um. You know, like I said, it's for some people can be more than others as well. Yeah. Um. So this is a, that's just a bit of some down. Uh, you know, some information in regards to that. So what are some stereotypes which are linked with Down syndromes as well? This is something which is very important as well that we talk about. And um, why are they completely um, sort of uh, false, right? Yeah. So, so there are many misconceptions in regards to this, and these misconceptions can have, uh, you know, l- l- large amount of uh, contributing factors. Firstly, the Down syndrome itself has changed so fundamentally for the better uh, with the dismantling of the inhumane institutions where people with Down syndromes were previously forced to live. And secondly, the lack of medical and basic scientific research makes it difficult to get accurate, updated information about people with Down syndrome as well. Mm. Now, the misconceptions are that only older people have children with Down syndrome. Um, The reality is that, according to Centers for for Disease Control and uh, Prevention Research, about 80% of children who have Down syndrome are born to women younger than 35 Hmm. now this uh, the CDC the disease control and prevention um, research shows that the the chances of having a baby with Down syndrome does increase with age however younger women yeah yeah, younger women have uh, have more babies so more children with Down syndrome are born to younger mothers
3: Mm.
1: so it's not always the the case that older people older women have it younger women you know, women which are younger than thirty-five,
0: but they're saying because younger women have more children, that's why, right? Yeah. Hmm. Another thing, uh, misconception
1: that we want to talk about is that a child with Down syndrome will ruin, uh, you know, will ruin a marriage. I mean, that's uh, uh, people don't want to get married yeah. to person with Down syndrome as well. Yeah. Now, recent and uh, Vanderbilt Kennedy uh, Kennedy Center study published in the American Association of Intellectual Disabilities. And that indicates that divorce rates are lower in families of children with Down syndrome.
0: So it's mm. completely the opposite. Yeah, yeah. it's because they s- have an individual which they deeply care for, and they know it's going through a challenge. Yeah. So they team up, they partner up to help yeah. that it's individual together. Yeah. And which creates a, it's a higher, it's it's a a bigger bond between the parents itself, I believe. Yeah. Uh,
1: mm. I mean that is you know a very solid case as well, and the, the study uh, yeah. was one of the one was one of the largest today. And included six hundred and forty seven families hmm. who have people with yeah. Down syndrome as well yeah. so that's you know that's a good show um something else uh, another misconception is that people who have Down syndromes die young now the average life expectancy for a person with Down syndrome <coughs> is nearly you know is nearly sixty yeah. so you know we we just mentioned that it was yeah. just like fifty eight yeah. yeah so just under sixty or around, roughly around sixty years well, sixty years old now some people with Down syndromes have lived into the 80s as well Mm. so like i said for some people might not uh, be as bad yeah it might just be mild or Mm. might just not be as much so it is true that people with down syndromes on average don't live as long as their typical counterparts but unfortunately the average life expectancy for an african-american in the united states with down syndrome is literally just 35 years old now that is quite
0: you know (coughs) is that a misconception or
1: no that is no that is um you know un- that is unfortunate that is a study and this uh, this statistic actually deserves mm-hmm. the full attention of our government and scientific community yeah. and this is also why um i mean this is because you know there are uh, discrimination as well when it comes to w- when it comes to people and uh, when it comes to treatment as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of illnesses of diseases of disabilities yeah. um obviously in a country where you need to pay for um,
0: pay any for sort your health, of health yeah. any sort of, yeah. sort of health even if it's a syringe that you need for, for to inject yourself or, yeah, yeah. or even paracetamol
1: yeah. it's quite expensive yeah. it's very very <coughs> expensive so obviously if you have a disability if you have an illness if you have a chronic illness yeah, to treat that you need money and obviously people um, people need good health, yeah. and if you don't have good health, and you don't have money to pay for, you know, you don't have the money to pay for to pay for those funds. Hmm. Then what are you going to do? That that's the thing. That's Hel- why health the...
0: is wealth, first of all. If you don't have health, then yeah. you're not able to make the wealth That's, that, true. You
1: know? that's true. I mean, exactly. that's absolutely true. And this is why over here in the UK, <coughs> we are actually fortunate, very fortunate to have the yeah to have to have the NHS, the National Health Service, which yeah. is a public sector and uh, which runs around the clock to To help uh, to help everyone in need, yeah. yes. The the you know the the you know the, the waiting hours or the queues mm. might be long as well. But obviously that's because of so many different factors. And if we do go private, then that will be put us into a very you know a very difficult situation as well.
0: Costly, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And there's another misconception as well is that it's quite an interesting one, that people who have Down syndrome don't feel pain. That's an odd one. That's an odd one, yeah. It's an, it's an odd one. But the reality is that people with Down syndrome absolutely feel pain, of course. And reaction to pain is not always uh, apparent. For example, a 2000 study uh, published in the in the medical journal Lancet suggests that such individuals express pain more slowly and less precisely than the than the rest of us as well. Mm. Now parents and guardians need to be firm with the medical community and insist that people with Down syndrome uh, be given the same uh, types of pain control procedures as a typical person, even <coughs> in the absence of uh, of obvious
0: signs of pain. So yeah. the pain may vary as well. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's
0: may, inter- it's interesting that yeah. uh, the studies showed that they express pains more slowly hmm. and less precisely than yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. That, I think yeah. that's one of the challenges
1: that they face. That is one of face, the challenges right? as well. So maybe, you know, if they are <coughs> feeling pain somewhere, maybe they might not be able to tell them exactly where the pain is. If they've got a stomach ache, hmm. they might say they've got pain in their chest or something like that, Yeah. for example. But they do definitely
0: feel pain. Exactly. I mean... <laughs> they're they're normal human beings, I mean, yeah. all of us. Yeah. It's just they have these challenges, mental challenges.
1: It's... it's it's, is it, you know it, all they have is a is a is an extra chromosome exactly yeah. and that's what makes it a little bit more of a challenge mm. so you know how people um you know, stereotype <coughs> against people or people have misconceptions uh, without even doing any sort of research yeah. themselves you know that's not that's yeah. not fair come exactly. on that's not fair saying so, saying having these misconceptions and then um you know, saying or pretending that all of these things are reality mm. is, uh, you know,
0: is especially with a sensitive topic a like thing. this. Yeah, because if you have someone <clears throat> who's going through this, or you know someone that has a family member who's affected by this, and you have this these mis- mis- misconceptions, it could truly hurt them. Mm. Once you say it to them without having any research done. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So this is what we are to- actually talking about, and uh, obviously if. If any of our listeners have, uh, you know, are, you know, are maybe going through this or know someone who has Down syndromes as well, and how they sort of treat them, how they deal with them, um, what are the things to actually look out for, any other misconceptions that people may have as well that you would like to um, address, then give us a call on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We would love to hear from you. The lines are open, but at the moment we're going to go to the uh, the the news, which is dooming right now. And right after that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about this as well. And we've got a few audio clips of His Holiness that we want to play as well.
2: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
4: A new station,
2: The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion, and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam.
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back. To the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, as mentioned, that we are talking about um, Down syndromes and how um, October is Down syndromes month as well, where we raise awareness um, in regards to in regards to this as well, and talk about some some myths and also some uh, some misconceptions in in regards to in regards to this as well. We've given some background information uh, in, in regards to what uh, what Down syndromes actually is. And we've talked about some misconceptions just before the news as well. Um, there, you know, there is a question which a lot of people ask: um, Does Islam believe in it, in faith healing? Now, this is a question which was asked to His Holiness, the fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, uh, may Allah have mercy on him, and uh, he gave a very beautiful answer. So, let's listen to let's listen to what he actually said in regards to that.
2: Well, that is possible. Yes, I've explained. Please sit down. The fact is that uh, there is a possibility of healing somebody through your influence, which is sometimes a gift of Allah, which remains dormant and dormant in some people. And sometimes they suddenly realize that this, the gift is there. And that works through the mental power of a man who concentrates himself, his his mind, on curing somebody of that particular disease. And it works. Many research has been held on this and there are still some very puzzling cases to the most skeptic among them. The, among the medical scientists who are very sceptic to this, they have not been able to explain certain cases. For example, there was a healer of some type in uh, southern hemisphere of America and uh, so many teams went there and investigated the cases and they could not prove fraud. So all they could say was that uh, something is inexplicable, so far we have not been able to, been able to detect. But about other cases, also in, in, a, in the issue of a month ago in this uh, magazine which I mentioned, The Unexplained, he quotes certain examples, for example of a healer who could uh, immediately Cure people of intense pain like kidney and uh, um, gallbladder pain and so on. So, he was interviewed and asked how he does it. So, he said that I concentrate myself on the point of pain and I conceive of a situation as if I am putting my hand in it and pulling the pain out. And as I do it and concentrate on that, the pain begins to disappear. So, that can happen. It is quite possible. And Hazrat Musih was <laughs> also witnessed a phenomenon like that and did not uh, reject it outhand. There was a, a peer sahib, a peer Haqsa, who had learned it from his uh, old peer. To, he had a very interesting way. Of striking a nail in a board and uh, reciting Surah Fathya for some time and uh, it's a very longish, longish um, way of doing things. I wouldn't explain. The point which I'm making is this, that Hazrat Masih Mautilayhi salatu Asalaam once asked him, is it correct that you do that, practice that type of healing? So he said, yes, Hazur, I know that. So, Hazrat Masihim well, said, tell me how you do it. And then he explained. And Hazur kept smiling and didn't say a word of rejection. Then, once Hazrat Amma Jaan was suffering from perhaps gallbladder pain or something. And Hazrat Masihim well, said, ah, tell I have to uh, repeat that here, to demonstrate it to me. And he came and uh, he wanted some, um, some little soil, it was not available. So, Hazrat Musim said, you can have it from the wall. The walls were, uh, um, you know, made of mud inside walls to keep the houses cool in those days. So, anyway, he was not successful. But Hazrat Mishima was very patient about it. And didn't reject it in principle, that's the important point. Had it been wrong from Islamic point of view, he would have outright rejected it.
1: So that was a brief audio clip of His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah, be, may Allah have mercy on him. He was the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He was answering the question, does Islam believe in faith healing? So very interesting, very interesting question, but obviously a very eloquent answer which His Holiness gave in regards to in regards to that as well um we're going to come back to this topic a little bit uh, later on as well we want to move quickly move on to or introduce our next topic which is which is also quite interesting um why is failure important mm-hmm. and uh, a, a recent a recent study has found that we learn better from failure than from success but why is it and what exactly can we learn from failure, as well? Um, so this is something which is, uh, you know, like I mentioned, which is quite interesting, and something which, uh, which, uh, w- which we need to talk about as well, because us humans, you know, we don't learn as easy as we should. We, you know, we learn better from direct experience, from uh, from learning it or from hearing it yeah. from others. If we, you know, it's, it's like driving a car, isn't it? If you, if you just do the theory, you're not going to learn how to actually drive. Yeah. Or if you're going to sit in a passenger seat and pretend to drive, you're not going to actually learn how to drive. <laughs> you're going to, you have to do that yourself. Yeah. So, it, I mean, not, uh, I'm not specifically. You have talking to take about, action. Yeah, you have to take action. Yeah. You have to take action, and this is something which um, you you have to do, um, you know, t- physically as well, um. We'll talk a little bit uh, about this as well and why this is so important. And uh, what are some of the things to actually, some of the challenges actually, when it comes to failure, having that positive mindset as well. Um, Accepting failure as something which, uh, you know, which we can actually, you know, progress upon as well. Mm. Um, We will speak to our guest, Dr. Audrey Tang, who is a chartered uh, psychologist. Um, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Peace be upon you and good morning to the show.
5: Good morning and thank you for having such a good topic.
1: Thank you so much for for being here with us. um, Just for for the benefit of our listeners, can you define what failure actually is for our audience?
5: If you want to use uh, the definition from the dictionary, it is simply the act or instance of not succeeding. Hmm. And if you look at success, success is the achievement of a goal unfortunately what's happened is failure seems to relate to things like not getting enough likes or not being popular enough Hmm. or not having certain titles and that's a narrative we've placed onto it not actually what failure means it is simply just not achieving that particular goal that you want it to achieve at that time
1: interesting interesting um can you share an experience that you've had with uh, with failure as well, and how how sort of you managed to overcome it? Because it's yeah. important that uh, if we do fail in something, we don't just you yeah. know sit back and you know you know you know don't sort of do anything about it, but we actually do something positive about it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is this is the admittance of everything here <laughs> with a PhD. What you can get is you can get a pass outright, you can get a pass with minor corrections, so you just do the corrections and send it through, or you can get a pass with major corrections, and major corrections can be a bit of a rewrite. Mm. I got that. (laughs) (laughs) I then had to spend the next year rewriting my PhD. But I was lucky because I had a lot of support from my university, and I was able, I had to work to pay my bills, but I was able to do that part-time. And I think what I had to do is, you know, you've spent this amount of time getting the PhD, working towards submitting the PhD in the first place. To get to the point where you've done those three years and then you get told, well, you have to rewrite it now, it's it's a real kind of kick in the teeth, especially when it's something that you've really wanted to do. But because I had that support, because I had that time, and I speak to myself in quite a critical way, but that helps me a lot of people it's great to speak in a nurturing way but what i have to tell myself is quite realistically well do you want it or not Mm. if you want it you're going to have to work for it but that's what works for me it doesn't work for everybody but at no point did i bash myself over the head going oh you're useless you're awful you're terrible and that's something that we can do and it's that's the bit that's a little bit unhealthy but i tend to give myself a good talking to
0: yeah that's well in line with um My next question, Um, you know, when you you fail and you have these thoughts in your mind um, Mm. and you want to basically motivate yourself again, what are some questions you think we can ask ourselves when we fail?
5: Well, the first is I would actually give yourself a bit of time to, to grief and to feel sad. It is okay to feel like you've tried really hard and it hasn't worked and you feel down about it. And I had to have that for a bit. And I had to almost have that in em- feelings of embarrassment or shame, whether they were right or wrong. And I had to also tell my loved ones that it, it wasn't going to be quite as easy a road as, as I mm. thought. And it was going to be another year to write up. So give yourself a bit of space. And the supportive network's really important. For a lot of people, posting things on social media can be a bit of an accountability approach when you're aiming for a goal but unfortunately what can also happen is you've posted on social media and now everyone says oh how's your phd going did you path? and then that can feel quite <laughs> difficult to to explain so give yourself a bit of space find a supportive network that you can grow from that's another thing that you can do and then that's where you can start asking yourself the questions and those questions are well what went wrong. With a PhD, it's helpful to have somebody else in to actually give you some notes and some feedback so that whilst you're in the throes of that panic or that that challenge, you probably won't have time to take it all in. And that's the same thing with things like HR meetings and anything which can be, can be challenging to the system. And with that, use the feedback from that outside observer to actually reflect realistically and look at what needs to be done chances are what needs to be done isn't anywhere near as bad as what you've made up in your head so that's the mm. other thing so use use a realistic starting point after you've got to that place where you can then start making those changes and learn what's under your control what what it was for me was actually my writing style and in order to to pass i had to write just that little bit more academically, and I, I'm not used to doing that. And what I told myself was, you, you have to learn to do this, and you have to do this for the purposes of this PhD, after which you can go back to your own more journalistic style, and that's okay. And since achieving my PhD, which took me five years instead of three, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have since written four books. in the style that I've wanted to write them in. They've been business book of the year. They've had business awards and so on. So sometimes you have to learn to do things and build on your skills Mm. for whatever it is you need to achieve and then go back to your strengths. But that is no compromise on... You're not not saying to yourself, oh, you're just not good enough and you can't do it your way. You can go back to your way, but perhaps just not in that particular context. Mm. And that's okay. So for me, I had to build up my writing skills. So... Find the space to do the work and then ask yourself the realistic question mm. of what do I need to do?
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned that after finally passing, your, after finally passing your PhD, you, you yes. wrote uh, five yeah. books, I believe, five or four, four books. Four books. Yeah. Four books. And basically you didn't give up, right?
5: Absolutely. And even that was a bit of a failure approach because I sent my proposals to over 50 publishers. I had a reply from about five of them. But thankfully, it was Pearson who came back to me and said, actually, we love your style. That's the funniest thing. We love your writing style. We don't love your topic. (laughs) <laughs> so can you do this instead? And again, that was a bit of a, oh, but I wanted to write this book. But you have to set your ego aside. Hmm. So I said to "And absolutely, totally, I will write what you want me to write. <laughs> and that was how I wrote my first book with them. But since then, because that was a success, I have been able to write the books I wanted to write. Hmm. You just need to keep going. And sometimes it can feel like, oh, I'm compromising on this, or I'm stepping back on what it is I wanted to do. Yeah, maybe. But the path to success, is a roundabout one it's not a direct path from from bottom to top mm. you have to find a journey and that journey may mean you do a few other things first yes i've written four books that took me the last i guess 10 years or so but i've never regretted any one of them and i've learned so many skills from them
0: yeah yeah and that's uh, wonderfully put Um, you just answered the question that I wanted to ask um, why it's important to not give up. Um, One more question. um, Mm -hmm. Why might failure, you think, be important to development than success?
5: Well, the best answer I can give is through my research on resilience for my third book. And that is, resilience research has actually suggested when crisis or adversity, failure, Mm -hmm. for example, comes our way, we follow one of four different pathways. We can succumb to it. We can just go, that's it. I've given up. I'm not not going to do any more. We could get through it, but we might be impaired. So that would be, say, I learned the academic style to write my PhD and then only stuck with that style. That's it. I, and I began to think, oh, that's the only thing I can do to write at all. That wouldn't have allowed me to go back to my own style, but enhance it with what I've learnt from the academic. Mm-hmm. The third way is we bounce back. We come back with it we get our PhDs, we, we get through whatever it was. But then there's a fourth way, which is even more important, and that is we thrive. We build upon all the changes we had to make because we had to address that failure and we had to improve our skills. And we and that in itself allows us to go even further than to have ever before. So in that case, that's where faith can be so important. But I do want to add one more thing. Since the 80s, Forbes magazine, has, they wrote a piece on why leaders don't learn from success. And since the 80s, we've learned, actually, that failure can help us because it creates the conditions to thrive. Hmm. And it helps us because we learn from it and we Hmm. reflect on it. But successes don't actually help us quite as much. And that's where we also need to learn. So what Forbes was saying in this particular article was that when we succeed, and you can think about your own successes, we kind of go, great, I've done it, and we move on. But actually what Forbes says to us is, if we keep doing that, we never know what of that success was down to us and what of that success was actually down to circumstance or luck. And if we actually take a moment to reflect and learn from our successes and ask ourselves two important questions, the first is, what of this success was down to me or my team or something that's controllable? And then the second question, therefore, what of that success is replicable, then we've got a blueprint for further successes. Mm-hmm. If we don't do that at all and we just go, oh, oh, I succeeded, I'm so brilliant, I may if I'd just gone through my PhD and, and passed with minor corrections, I may not have known that it's a wholesale style that I needed to improve on. And had I not improved on that, that wouldn't have fed into my own work that I do now. So now I can write in both academic styles, so I still write the journal, but I prefer to write in my journalistic style, so I write books as well. But both are enhanced because I took the time to learn from adversity (laughs) as well. But we've got to learn from our successes as well as our failures.
0: So you're saying it's important to self-reflect after you succeed?
5: absolutely it's important to self reflect after you failed it's important to, to it's just as important to self reflect after you succeed
0: and how what would you suggest or advise family members in support for those that have failed as in how can they
5: yeah the first is and it comes from a place of love, but please don't use toxic positivity. Don't use the "oh, you'll be fine." Look on the bright side. It's okay. Look at the big picture because it doesn't feel like that hmm. when you failed. That is horrible. And whilst I know it comes from a place of love, and people just don't want us to see it, want to see us upset. Acknowledging someone's feelings is really important. And if we just say, "Oh, look on the bright side. Look how far you've got. It's all great." that actually invalidates our feelings. So it's really important to maybe spend a bit of time with that person, even if you let them lead in that conversation. Why do you feel so sad? Why do you feel like you do? But if they're not ready to get there yet, because again, coming back from failure is a little bit of a climb, give them time. Give them time to just wallow in it. Give them time to accept it and process it. And then when they're ready, that's when you can help them with some of those prompts of, well, what can we do in order to pass the next time? What can we do in order to succeed the next time? And it might be things like once you've had time to process, it might be not just building confidence. It might be something like, well, I actually need a different coach or I actually need to build my skills in this particular area. A lot of the time, unfortunately, we seem to think failure and success is all psychological. If we just think really hard on it, if we just get motivated, if we just inspire, we visualize it, it will all work. Sometimes (laughs) it can, sometimes. But a lot of the time, in the example I gave especially, if I just visualized it and made no changes to my writing style, I would not have passed. I had to go back, speak different supervisor, learn to improve on my skills and then came back and succeeded.
1: Well, you know, I think that's uh, quite, <laughs> quite uh, inspirational as well, especially for those, for, for everyone, actually, um, you know, who are looking to, you know, um, to succeed. And obviously, if they're going through a, a difficult time, maybe they failed once or twice or a few more times how to sort of bounce back and have that positive mindset as well. Um, Dr. Tang, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this morning. Thank you so much for contributing to the show. And uh, th- you know, best of luck in your in your other books as well. <laughs>
5: thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to chat with. Me. Thank
1: you, thank you, thank you so much. So that was Doctor uh, Doctor Tang who spoke a little bit more. Who spoke us? Who spoke to us about um, the positive aspects yeah. in regards to in regards to failure and mm-hmm. what should our mindset actually mm-hmm. actually be as well? Um, like I said, we've got a few audio clips that we want to play for uh, for you as well. Um, somebody asked His Holiness, um, "How can how can one know if failure was due to lack of effort, or was it just you know destined to be like that as well?" Mm. Um, it's a brief it's, a, it's it's a brief question, but let's listen to what His Holiness said. They accomplish it within short time, so
2: instead of seeing that what the other man has done, you should make your proper effort. So in every achievement. You will have to work hard. If you are working hard, you will achieve your goal. And Allah Ta'ala will also help you. And at the same time, being a Muslim, being a strong and strong Muslim, being an Ahmadi, you should, alongside your hard work, also pray to Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala help you to complete this assignment, this goal, and make it easy for you. So, in this way, Allah also will help you, and you will achieve your target in less time or with less effort or in a better way.
1: Right? Zakal Azur. So, that was His Holiness, uh, the, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the current head of the worldwide uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be Like I said, there was some other audio clips as well which are quite interesting. And I want to play for, uh, or you want to play for, for you guys as well. Um, something which is uh, a lot of people, a lot of people actually ask this in regards to, in regards to religion and how the true religion actually becomes victorious at the end. Now we all know that uh, prophets of God, you know, prophets, messengers, godly people who are sent to this world. It's not just. You know, happy, happy, and it's not just yeah. victory after victory after victory. It's not. It's not like that. They go through the most trials. They literally go more through the most trials more than anyone. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Holy Prophet of Islam, um, the, uh, the uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him,
3: mm-hmm.
1: he actually went through so many different trials yeah. we cannot even imagine. If you if if we, yeah, yeah,
0: if you just think about it, he lost around six of his children in his lifetime. In his lifetime, and that is. It, one of the biggest I mean, trials, I mean, wives person, as well, yeah, not even, not even, not even children. Exactly, wives as well. Exactly. Um, he was an orphan, first of all. Literally, he was an orphan. So first all of all. these things that he went through, and then the the period, the thirteen years that he um, stayed in Makkah. Um, yeah. The um
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, they went through so many we, persecutions. Exactly. Even the boycott, exactly you know, for for two three years yeah. that they went through as well. So, even when they migrated, there there were still trials and tribulations there yeah. as well, Um but. You know like I said the, you know the, the prophets go through go through a lot yeah and that is you know that is what Allah the Almighty has actually destined as well because there needs to be an opposition and with the opposition, the truth actually prevails even more so mm-hmm. if there's no opposition yeah. then you know the truth won't actually prevail as much as if it was you mm. know um, if, if, if it hadn't been there yeah so opposition yes it is a difficult process but the end product of persecution is actually the the victory of the mm. truth so somebody asked his holiness somebody asked his holiness um you know uh, series of different questions as well um in regards to in regards to uh what this actually what this actually is um what what persecution actually is and uh, what you know, what is that? Let's listen. Let's uh, we'll listen to we'll listen to an audio clip in regards to this as well, which will tell us a little bit more. But uh, at the moment, we have uh, Hanya ya- Hanya Yaqub, who will tell us uh, about uh, about her experience in regards to in regards to uh, persecution. Alaykum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the show, Hanya.
4: Welcome, Salam, thank for having me.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you were going to tell us, or you want to tell us uh, about your personal experiences of, uh, of failure and how, uh, you know, so you sort of overcome that.
4: Yeah, that's correct. Um, I've, uh, yeah, regarding the sequence, I found interesting as well. Um, it's, um, it's true, I've, I mean, everyone faces failure, I guess, in some, at some point in their life. And, and just like everyone else, I've also had to face that as well in my life. And I realize uh, failure is actually one of the main things everyone has to go through. Um, and personally, I think um, um, from a personal level, when I had to go through failure, I mean, I wouldn't be able um, to pinpoint at one thing because there were several things that went on in, uh, in my life, of course, It's like it does, um, it happens. Um, but I did want to share... A, a quote or rather an advice someone gave to me during the time when I was just facing so much difficulty of handling a lot of things at the same time and thus not being able to be successful at, uh, at certain things that I was doing. And um, that quote was, um, um, it, it was rather an advice or rather it was enlightening and it was um, basically saying something along the lines of not um, everyone has to go through it and it is because you're struggling at first um, that's normal. It's because um, everyone had to learn it for the first time. Not everyone was born with a certain skill or with a certain um, knowledge. They didn't just know the moment they were born, and bo- uh, they were, the moment they were, they were basically born.
5: And
4: hmm. uh, Basically, um, overall, the advice was um, that's uh, something everyone has to go through. Yeah. You weren't supposed to know it. You weren't supposed to be perfect when you were born. You were supposed to learn that, and I'm not sure if this is uh, gonna help our listeners and or maybe resonate with them. But um, this is something I wanted to share, and because uh, yeah, this is something that helped me a lot to be to know that this the true purpose of life that we have to obviously go through struggle. Um, some people, even I know, I'm a Muslim as um, as, uh, as some may know, um, but um, as a Muslim, I know that jihad is struggling. And learning, and just being. Um, obviously, as a Muslim, I um, love to be part of um, of to do service to mankind, um, as well to fulfil that purpose, as well to fulfil the rights of worship of our God Almighty. And um, so, if there's failure in the way, that's just part of struggle. That's just part of something that um, I believe all of us. Um, that gives us a bit um, more ease to think about it this way, to think that this is supposed to happen or if not then this is supposed to be a lesson for me mm. um, instead of doing nothing and achieving nothing
1: I mean I think that's you know quite inspirational you know and quite brave of you as well to, to share your you know experience in in regards to this as well and it, it is important that we, we go through this trial as well but have that have that mindset just like you said as well so that we can overcome, overcome the failure and then you know succeed as well thank you so much for, for joining us and, and speaking to us um, yeah. and contributing to the show. Thank you.
4: Yeah. Okay,
1: exactly. So that was uh, Hania Yakoub <coughs> who experienced um, some difficult times as well, but uh, just like she explained, but then obviously over- overcame that and uh, went through this trial uh, with a positive uh, outset as well. Um, it's important that we, you know, if we, just like Hania said, that we, we need to, you know, if we, if we seek advice um, or somebody is giving, giving you advice, then we should listen to that advice as well. Mm, yeah. uh, we shouldn't just, you know, you know brush it. Disregard it, Disregard it, yeah. it, exactly. Or, I, think, or I think it's it. also
0: really important <clears throat> to understand that, especially for us believers hmm. in one God, we have the Holy Quran and in the Holy Quran, God has said that he is the best of planners. Yes, right? absolutely. Um, we are going to fail. We we will see failure in our lives. yeah. But if we have that mindset that whatever I'm going through is for the best of me and God has a better plan, mm. all I need to do is to not stop trying. At literally, the end of the day, God has yeah. a plan for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that gives us a sense of peace. I think all of our Muslim listeners and all of our other Muslim brothers around the world, we do have that sense of hope that when we're going through some, some trial, tribulation, or mm. failure in our lives, if we... Contemplate on the Quran the whole, and the and and God, what He has said that He is the best of planners. Yeah. He will make me get through this certain type of uh, failure or yeah. trial. Yeah. Then it brings us peace. Brings and us peace. I'm sure it's yeah. the same case with me, with you, with other. This around true. the world. It's true, yeah.
1: uh, but but obviously these things um, they work for a believer, isn't it? Exactly. And when they work for you know when they work for a non-believer, when a non-believer has faith as well, and mm-hmm. you know sometimes when a non-believer doesn't believe in god and goes through a difficult time and then they, they just cry out oh god mm. if there is a god help me and yeah. then they At do actually time, receive yeah. that help exactly then that can be quite faith inspiring yeah. for them as well it's a change in this their whole a, whole life it's a change in their whole perspective yeah. uh, perspective uh, of of life as well so mm-hmm. like i mentioned before um prophets go through different trials as well so somebody asked his holiness uh, this is his holiness the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community as Tahir Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, may um, Allah have mercy on him. Somebody asked, if God loves his prophets so much, then why does he cause them to enjoy a long period of suffering and a relatively shorter period of relief and victory? So then again, it's just talking about, you know, basically this topic that how can we learn from our failures, but also um, know that, you know, God Almighty is the best planner as well. But And obviously, there will come a time where the truth will triumph. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be victorious. So, let's, let's listen to what His Holiness said in Nishraqah.
3: While sitting with the Ghaira's Jama'at friends, uh, our Muslim brothers, uh, okay. they're trying to uh, put few questions regarding regards uh, the basic things that if Allah loves his prophets, and he has also, up to the time of Hazrat Masihim, why he put them and their nation into suffering? longer time than they have achieved the uh, governing time. I mean to say... I know,
2: I know, I know know what you mean.
3: Is it all? A second part of the question is, Hmm. sir, that if, and we are ready to take the nations, according to ilham of Hazrat Musih, you will gain a big country, first of all, after some time. If we are going to have that, which is that ilham? It, it is that jah and what do you mean by mulk? Mulk is not a country, but, but might be, in my feelings, is the whole nation, whole Islamic nation, whole faith. mulk azim mulk azim
2: Mujko kya mulkon se, mera mulk hai, Exactly. That could be the meaning of that word. That is, I understand,
3: <laughs> sir. But even that, for that purpose as well, which is you are taking as it purely holy, are we preparing ourselves or our jamaat for that? And if we are, the work, the time wants us to submit them our constitution,
2: but the our planning. Oh, sir. Yes, I know. Please,
3: no. <laughs> sorry. Just a moment,
2: without the answer to this question, how can, how can I attend your question? Please, wait for a while. The first question is about the suffering of prophets in the path of Allah. And uh, this is a general question raised uh, by so many people, but it has also an innovation that the suffering period of the prophets, according to the questioner, is always much longer than the period of relief and victory. So, why suffering is so long and the period of relief and victory is so short? Particularly, regarding the prophets. This is the whole question now. Now, as far as the suffering in the path of Allah is concerned, it has to be seen in the context of human reformation. No people on earth can be deformed without being called to perseverance, sacrifices, toil and sweat. Without this, no people can be revived and no people can be cured of the moral evils from which they suffer. If you call for a life of ease and plenty, and this is the message of a messenger, then all the worst type of people will rush forward with this to, to this messenger. Those who are more materialistic would say la back, Allahumma la back much louder and with such enthusiasm. They say, We are ready, we are going to follow you, lead us to plenty, lead us to gold. Lead us to the amenities of life and so on and so forth. Is that what religion came for? No. So, the religious uh, message is bitter. It invites to a life of suffering and uh, self-sacrifice. Now, this is in general the way how people are purified and transformed, how they are made to turn away from materialism, from materialism to spiritualism. Sacrifice at every step is being taught and instilled into them. Now conceive a prophet which leads a life of ease and comfort because he is loved by God. He has all the best things to himself And yet is inviting all the people to suffering and and to sacrifice and everything. How could the message of such a prophet be accepted? So it is he who has to first present the very model of suffering for a nobler cause. And that establishes the truth of that prophet. This is the greatest favor he can show to to, to his people that he demonstrates to them. Look here, I am calling to you to a life of suffering because I suffer most. And I have chosen this path, not in vain. I am the wisest man among you. Yet if there were no God, if there was no reward after death and so on, why should I give away all that I have for the sake of nothing? Nothing. So that shows my firm faith in the life to come. That shows my firm belief that this life is only transient in passing. It's not substantial. Only then people can understand and believe in such a prophet. As far as the period of his comfort is concerned, (coughs) his comfort in reality lies in the life to come for which he sacrificed all his... uh, uh, the best things of his own life here. So if that be true, then the period of success should be shorter in comparison to the period of suffering because that is only an interim period between labor and reward. That is not a reward in itself. It is only to further strengthen the faith of the people and to show to them that all that was promised to this man, this humble person, was promised by a greater and more powerful being, which could bring about victory, despite the fact that all the factors were against this victory. So this humble man who suffered so much at your hands, is now made the king and sovereign and victorious, or whatever it is he's made. That establishes the fact, and then he has no longer anything to do here. He's delivered the message, he's demonstrated the message, And from then on, he is awaiting his return. This is what was demonstrated in the end by Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa, when in the last moments of his life, he was offered, according to him himself, both the possibilities to live longer here or to return. His answer was, Fir Rafiq al Fir Rafiq and while he was uttering these words he passed away. He gave up his soul to his sublime companion to his higher companion that is God. So he said, I don't want any longer to be tarry here. I have no interest in this earth. Call me back to yourself. You are my love. You are my friend. You are everything to me. So that is what they yearn for that is what they have offered sacrifices for why should that period of waiting be made longer for them that is a punishment not a reward for them because they live in a life of reality in religion not only in a myth so in their terms you should understand their life history not in the terms of a materialist
1: exactly exactly what how his holiness uh, has uh, has described it has said it and this is the you know the the essence of uh, how prophets, messengers of God, um, go through a trial, but then obviously Allah the Almighty makes them victorious at the end as well. And that is the mindset that that we want to leave with you guys as well. This is the reason, or this is one of the reasons why we are talking about this topic uh, uh, as well. Our first topic was, uh, you know, was about Down Down Syndromes Month uh, Awareness Month, and something which, uh, you know, which is quite interesting in regards to that, which, you know, the reason why I, I'm, I'm coming, coming back to that topic is that there was a, there's an audio clip of His Holiness, somebody else's His Holiness in regards to uh, operation, uh, you know, regarding operations, and not just operations with, uh, you know, with children or with adults, but babies even before they're born. So sometimes, because, you know, Down syndrome is something that, uh, you, you know, you're born with an extra chromosome, and some people say that, uh, you know, some people ask that if we know that our baby, can, you know, is going to have this disease, or mm. going to have this disability, we're going to have this and that, are we allowed to um, do Animal operations action. on that yeah. baby before it's even born, he or she was even born? So somebody asked His Holiness in regards to this, let's listen to what His Holiness uh, said in this regard.
4: In order to enable them to survive, right. Right. does that extend to um, operating on, on these children? before birth. Do you feel that that's interfering as well? You see,
2: operation before birth is, uh, I I don't think we have, we can have any religious objection or moral objections against that because the principle by which I'm always guided is, are you helping the plan of God, you're moving in the direction of the plan of things or you are opposing it, moving in the opposite direction? Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if genetical engineering is employed to improve the quality of the life God has created, it will, should not be religiously objectionable because you are moving along the winds, along the plan of things. If you try to create new animals out of the created animals and distort their images for gaining some purposes, you think, would be useful for humanity that would be going against the grain because he is the creator he has created balances and we do not in fact realize the, the importance of even the smallest thing that lives in the ecosystem that we know Every, everything plays its role and man has repeatedly discovered, unfortunately too late for him, that whenever an attempt was made to change the environments and the ecosystem, uh, would you say eco-ecosystem? Eco, I think, it doesn't matter. Huh? That's fine. Eco is different, you know. Eco is the reverberation of the sound you hear you know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when it it's, it strikes against something; and it returns to you. But ecosystem, I think it is, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, in in Australia, some experiments, experiments were carried out, not experiments, but some attempts were made to get rid of certain animals. And as they got rid of those animals, the, they had to go through a, a chain or a procession of problems born one out of the other. And they could not bring under control the things which were unleashed and, you know, and, and they released suddenly are completely beyond their imagination. If certain, for instance, uh, um, rabbits were destroyed, the rabbits fed on certain bushes and grasses, etc., on the same bushes and grasses some extremely dangerous insects also fed now because the rabbits consumed most of the bushes and the grasses so the population of those dangerous or uh, insects etc was automatically controlled and some other animals also were kept within their confinement Creative or imposed by nature. Now you do away with one important factor in the environment and there you sort of open a Pandora's box of problems. You know, chain of, uh, link after link, chains develop which are very difficult to, to be brought under your control once again.
5: Hmm.
2: So that is what has happened in Australia. And that also has happened in England sometimes. So that is why the scientists are very, very careful nowadays. There is a fly which causes uh, impetigo and other rashes which are very painful. And you find this fly by the rivers in many lovely areas where the tourists go so often. So to bring it to bring it under control was the main problem with the scientists here in England. Now they invented something or discovered a bacteria which could uh, cause fatal diseases in that uh, in the larvae of these flies. But having learned their lessons, they were extremely careful. In, in, in small controlled areas, they experimented with, with these new bacteria and they washed every other species of life present in that water. What effect it causes upon them and did not release this into the nature until they were, according to them, 100% certain that it could only create benefit in helping nature not to work against it. So so many things, you know, which which one has to bring into focus of attention, particularly playing with nature is very, very dangerous. In America, now, there are many lawsuits against some states who have permitted uh, genetical engineering to uh, attempt to create certain insects which they feel would be beneficial for man because the, those who have sued the, the, the state are also knowledgeable scientists belonging to this field. They say, and they, they, rightly so, I believe, that according to certain experiments, what we projected did not result in the same thing. The experiment did not re- result in the same thing which we had projected. This is what I want to say. For instance, they cut off a gene from uh, from I think it was a mouse or something anyway. Some animal, small animal and planted that gene upon an insect to change its characters so that instead of being uh, harmful, it would become a useful animal. Now, what they, when they were horrified to, to, to de- detect that according to the mathematical calculations, what should have resulted did not result. A new thing was born as if, you know, through mutation if something had suddenly appeared, <coughs> Which they had
1: not uh, calculated upon. So that was His Holiness um, telling us um, in regards to in regards to this as well. Are we actually able, or are we actually permitted to you know uh, to operate on on babies as well? Um, so that was our show uh, for for today, and it's been quite you know some interesting topics that we that we actually spoke about. Uh, I just want to thank the producers and the researchers. Uh, as well, and of course, uh, my co presenter and the technical department as well. Um, like I said, very, very interesting show. Uh, we'll be back next time with some new topics. Until next time, though, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.